One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. talk about the VOD and the silver screen. Kevin and Tom and Joe know all there is to know. From masterpieces to deep fried tacos. And if the movie sucks, you might hear them say, there's no telling where the guys will take you. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it twice because we're already Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 627, Malcolm and Marie. It's Malcolm Ampersand Marie. <laughs> I stand by my statement. <laughs> no, I just like, you know, could, it's... Just be glad I didn't call it... Be, be glad I didn't call right. it... The <laughs> I was going to say, I, you, you actually got the title right, so I didn't want to just blow past a title reading. I mean, that's not our style. <laughs> No, not at all. So uh, I guess uh, uh, let's go around the table. This will be short. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Joe is out this week with a sick child, but filling in uh, kind enough to join us is uh, Colby Mack from Colby Told Me. Hey, Colby, how's it going? Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Colby Mack, and I'm back on the Real Spoilers Podcast. Yeah! <laughs> oh, you have an audience? You have a studio audience there. Yeah. <laughs> He has energy, <laughs> way more than we got. Uh-oh. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> and that's why we have Colby on the show. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to be awake during these. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, oh, I guess before we dig into the movie, shameless plugs, don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us while you're there. Be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can also check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. Uh, the group is called the League of Show Sharers. If you're looking for it, this is the part of the show where I read the League of Show Sharers. If yesterday had been the part of my life where I remembered to accumulate them, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just realized as we were starting the show, I was like, "Ah, oh, crap! I forgot to do that." It was a weird day yesterday. So I so the other podcast that I have with my wife for the listeners, I know Kevin knows, uh, is about the Peloton bike, and so we had this client that that it, it does like a concierge diet and nutrition and so i got talked in by the owner of the company to participating it was supposed to just be uh -huh. my wife and i was like but i eat so weird how could you craft food for me and the guy's like i love a challenge i'll do it if you'll if you'll do it and i'm like okay so yesterday was the first day and i have never eaten so much food in my life it was so much food. Huh. It was so, so much food. For breakfast, I had I had seven eggs for breakfast. Seven. And <laughs> then, like, four corn tortillas, because I have to hit macros and protein, whatever. I don't know. He just gives it to me, and then I eat it. But it was... Huh. And then, and then for, for dinner, I was supposed to have... And I'm skipping the, the meals. I mean, I ate them, but I'm not boring you with them. But for dinner, it was, like, six ounces of beef and... Three cups of spaghetti sauce, like three cups is a lot. That's like a it's a lot, lot, a lot. 
Like it's it was like half the jar. And so I had to text the dude. I'm like, are you sure that I'm supposed to have three cups of this stuff? And he's like, okay, you don't have to have three. But so he's like, just use it liberally. And I'm like, okay. And so I had a cup and a half, which is a lot. It was basically like I had hamburger soup Soup. instead of broth. It was ragu. It was it was a lot of food. So that's like how he's tricking you to get your vegetables in is to use spaghetti sauce. Well, that was one of that one of the things he was doing. And then like for for uh, it was like and then I had lunch of like a chicken breast with cheese and more corn tortillas. And then there was a Mm -hmm. snack in there. Snacks like I like Mm -hmm. I don't need snack, Mm. but it's some sort of weird thing where they like hack your metabolism to where it's like. It, they like ramp it up real fast and then they take away some food and then I don't know. Hmm. But so okay. hyper specific instructions, but it's a lot of food, a lot. A so lot you were food. too busy eating to prepare for the show. I was too busy preparing food. Like, when have you ever seen me do this? I have food right here. I still have to eat while we're doing this. Luckily, it's it's scrambled eggs so I can chew it silently. But it's a lot to <laughs> lot to eat. So listeners that like to play along, if you hear, hear me not talk for a while, now you get to play the game of is he peeing or chewing? <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully not at the same time. Well, you know, I'm an adult. I can do what I want. So uh, so next week, half the show will be the League of Show Sharers. Yeah, so my apologies to the people that share this week. That's That one's totally on me. So, But uh, but think of how thin and sexy I'll be the next time I read the League of Show Sharers. How exciting for you. <laughs> and, that's, and that's why we have all these camera angles set up around the studio, see? Yeah, that we don't use. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, anyway, and then also don't forget our Patreon, patreon.com slash real spoilers, where for five bucks a month you get all sorts of bonus content and you help us out. And, and it really does help. And we and we do greatly appreciate it. So uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, we would we would greatly appreciate it if you did. So there we go. Malcolm and Marie who like so or or as I like to call it, not who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll just start off by saying I loved this movie. Um, I love plays. I love chamber pieces. Uh, This movie has that kind of spirit of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in it, which is one of the greatest films of all time. I guess I need to watch that movie because, I mean, it keeps Oh, my God. It's so good. Well, it is so good. And, like, for real, it is not an eat your vegetables experience. Like, the name sounds very, like, hoity-toity. And like, especially the cast is very hoity-toity, and it's you know, and and the the playwright is you know, and like everything about it feels like it would be an eat your vegetables experience, and that is a barn burner of a story. Like it is good. Oh shit, Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton. Wait, George Segal yeah. was young or Se- yeah? Why it, I say Segal? Look at me. <laughs> it uh, um, it might even be his. Is that maybe even his first movie? If not, it's, it's real early. He's really young in that yeah. movie, for sure. And but it, yeah, the performances are so good, and yeah, the and movie the, is and the story. And in the and, and honestly, having been familiar with Hughes of Fate of Virginia Woolf, it made it difficult for me to like this movie because be, because Virginia Woolf does things that, and I do do not want to ruin it for you, but like I I, I didn't feel like this movie really like went anywhere ultimately, and. And also, by introducing another couple to the equation in Virginia Woolf, it like it it makes it be not just two people yelling at each other for two hours. Mm-hmm. And so, because um, you get to see their reactions, and then people kind of form, you know, new alliances, and then break apart. So and, there's like more you know, dynamic elements to Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's and then four there's... people in it instead of two, basically. <laughs> I and, got there, you. and there's a hell of a payoff. A hell okay. of a payoff. So, so, but, but I mean, obviously anyone who has seen that movie, you're going to get that kind of feeling, but it's not like that was the first or last film to have two people, you know, talking mm-hmm. to each other for a majority mm-hmm. of a movie. So, but, but you can't dismiss that, that, that DNA lives and yeah. runs throughout a movie like this. And, and, uh, it is one of the great movies. So watch it. Anyone who hasn't seen it, but I love that movie. I love plays. Like I said, I, I love when dialogue when you can just have dialogue in a movie mm-hmm. like that's written so interestingly to where you don't have to go to all these locations. You can be in one house, for example, like yeah. in this movie and they never leave, but you're so invested in this conversation and the dynamic and figuring out what the relationship is between these two people because you're thrown into it 
and you're thrown into it on the biggest night of this character's life and you're trying to figure out well who are these people what do they mean to each other what do they have to do with this story and why you know what is going on and so it's just it's it's zendaya and and john david washington and they're they're just going at it for the whole movie but to me i i was invested and i loved this movie so uh i know that i'm in the minority maybe not on this podcast but i mean online people are just tearing it apart and i for the life of me cannot figure out why people hate this movie so much because i really dug it i didn't hate it i was bored by it like i was just like ultimately i was just like the longer it went on, the less I cared about these two. And it, and I started by trying to figure out, like, which one of them's right, or which one of them's wrong. And I kind of landed on, like, neither of them. Like, neither and both. Like, it's just, that's right. kind of how relationships are sometimes. But it was also, like, it like it just, I don't know. Like, I just, the longer it went on, the more I was just like, shut up. Like, either, I was honestly, like, either break up or fuck off. But do something <laughs> but like, i think I, they do both in this movie i don't think you know which surprised me because and, and i guess for me i was able to connect to this movie so personally because i very much was malcolm um when i was younger um especially when i first moved to hollywood and i mean right out of high school dating people in the industry so like these arguments feel so real because i live them and obviously, I think that's what, it's really about what, what we bring to a movie, right? What personal baggage do we bring to a movie? What biases do we bring to a movie? Um, you know, I can try my best to really compartmentalize when I'm analyzing a film. And, you know, without me knowing, you know, previous works that are kind of similar to this, like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and stuff like that, right? Like, I don't bring that into it where I kind of have this comparison, right? Um, or I don't really have a beef with Sam Levison as a lot of other people do. So I don't bring that in in regards to like how I'm judging the film. Um, and I like Sam Levinson too. Like, yeah. so uh, Assassination Nation was, was the first great, film of his bro. I saw. I didn't see what the first one was, Another Happy Day in 2011. Yeah, um, I did not see that. But all the way, in 2018 assassination nation i thought was great yeah. and then euphoria on hbo it took me a while to get is... it took me a while to get past the first episode like i watched the first episode and then i was like i didn't start the second episode for like four months and then it was really really tough but i understand that, that just for me as a parent it was hard to like adjust that generational difference to what teens are like going through but then once i powered through it it was beautiful that show is amazing and, and so, i've honestly never seen any of his stuff so i okay. oh, this is the okay. only exposure well, see, i think I've that had, that's I've like had that's good like i've been adopting more and more kevin's approach to like how he chooses like not to watch trailers right and i can see it from both sides i mean obviously like we're film pundits and commentators and film reviewers and stuff like that there's almost like this obligation to be able to analyze sometimes you know sometimes of film trailers but like for a film like this i'm like no i want to just go in and completely let this director show me this world do i believe in this world do i believe in these characters do i believe their motives their convictions and do i believe that they like achieve their goals right that is what i hope to go in and take away from a film really nothing else i don't want this movie to try to speak to me about a message that was pre-packaged and marketed to me in any particular way going cold and and, and i think that's why the film worked for me so good because i was able to see myself in these characters and like it and it's funny because i think that sam levinson is doing multiple things on multiple fronts like in one sense he seems like he comes off like kind of contradictory with some of like his dialogue and like he's like hey so this is how i feel about this but i'm gonna have my character do something that kind of does the opposite of it and, and he wants to have his cake and eat it too but i think it's fun i think he's purposely doing things to kind of piss people off but that's well, the think, beauty I, of this film is that yeah. you get both angles so yes. people and I, well i think well, malcolm wants to have his cake and eat it too <laughs> definitely well, yeah. <laughs> yeah well what's your definition of cake no. <laughs> but so the thing about this film is that you've got a lot of people that seem to be off and like I'm sorry like I've been trying to I've been trying to put this into words in my head of how to describe this and how to put this nicely and and not anyone off myself although I mean it's whatever it is what it is but like if you're offended by the way this film talks about pretentious film critics you might be a pretentious film critic if you're offended well, by this and conversation. And I think that's because the, I think that's the source of some of the bad reviews is that it's 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 kind of taken a swipe at film critics, but um, but like rightly so in a in a lot. But of that's what ways. I'm saying is like because yeah. we're film critics. I mean, I'm a film critic, and I watch this movie, and I'm not offended. And there's things that he says where I'm like. Yep. There's yeah. The and then there's other things where I'm like, well, I don't do that. I know some people do. But like what I'm saying is like if the reason you're 
off of this movie is because they say this about film critics. It's like, well, then you might be that film critic. And so, like, that's a per like, but I, he's, it's not. I will th- say it's it's difficult to process like the it's it's difficult to know how to interpret or relate to some of the things that Malcolm is saying about the experience of a black filmmaker, knowing that the line wasn't written by a black guy. What but, if you didn't know it though? Yeah, I. How does no, that, that change things? Right? It's like yeah, no, no, no. That's 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 a very good point, and I and I and I I think I think the point the movie is trying to make is is one worth discussing. It's a it's a delicate line to walk because on the one hand, it's like if 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 you extrapolate the argument that a lot of people are making to its natural conclusion, which is like black stories should should be told by black filmmakers, which on its face you're like, yeah, that makes sense, but. If you if you take that to the nth degree, then all you're going to have is white people making white movies and black, and yes. you'll never see black people in white movies or white people in black movies and and like how do you or Asian people or whatever and and like how so what is the appropriate algorithm there for how how a filmmaker can include people of different ethnicities. And races with sexual orientations, genders, like within their stories, without feeling like it's being culturally appropriated. Right, it's a very or, nuanced conversation. Like, and and I think and I think this film kind of gets to a point. Like, there's really no right or wrong answer. At least that's what I walked away from it. Right. Um, I think that Malcolm as a character, you know, he's a guy who is coming from a different background, right? And as a black man, and I've been talking about this movie so much, and I'm appreciative of all the different perspectives that people are getting on it. But ultimately, this film has a theme about authenticity, right? What does it yeah. mean to be authentic? You know, for the audience member. Who doesn't know who the hell Sam Levinson is, have any idea who wrote or watched, you know, who wrote or directed this movie, and they just watched it, you know, hey, real quick, do you feel like this movie was like authentic to you? Like, yeah, I believed in that guy. Great. What if I told you the white guy wrote it? Oh, this is, and I had somebody who literally said when they found out that a white person wrote it, it rang untrue to them. It then became hollow and then undid all the good work that they were talking about. And I'm like, isn't that crazy? It's like, how can how can that happen? Because you're like you said, like you bring baggage into something and it can shape and form your opinion. And like you said earlier, Colby, that's why I don't watch trailers, because I don't want to have a preconceived notion of something. I don't want to go into it and say, oh, well, this movie is inauthentic because it's written by a white guy. So when I watch it, I'm always going to be thinking about that with every line, you know, and that's just an example. One trailer thing. I remember when I first had hot dog, right? like, I love hot dogs, right? And then when yeah. someone told me what's in it, I immediately said, Ugh. so like, yeah. there's that natural thing. Once you like know something, it, it, it can, it can like, you know, like there's like, there's, I'm pretty sure that, there, but maybe it's different with food as opposed to art, right? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think it necessarily is, but I, th- I think that's a funny analogy because I, I, I tell a similar, similar story about hot dogs, but I'm the opposite way. Like if you had told me what was in a hot dog before I ate it, I would have never eaten it. But because I ate okay. it and liked it, once you told me it was in it, I'm like, well, I don't care. I already know I like it. That's, Yes. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing with McDonald's. Like when I watched Super Size Me, I was hungry for McDonald's. Like I, I mean, I've been eating McDonald's this whole time. Yeah. Watching it didn't make me go, "Oh, I'll never have McDonald's again." I'm like, okay, well, I know I like McDonald's. This is interesting, and I'm like, well, man, I want some McDonald's. Like, I, I agree. I think that's very similar. But so another thing that I wanted to say about when you talk about this movie being a, a film starring two black leads and then written by a white guy but like i don't think the movie is a black film i don't think that's the thing this whole film is not about being black the racial component it's in my opinion i think it's maybe like 10 to maybe like okay 15 to 20 percent of the conversation but ultimately yes i came in saying like hey here are these two individuals on this man's biggest night and you have marie who is just like literally stirring the pot she is waiting to like pounce she like is trying to get his attention hey malcolm look at me i am mad and we're gonna get into this even though i'm gonna say that like we don't want to get into this i really want to get into this right and we've dated women like that we've had arguments that have been like that my arguments have been so toxic and problematic and that's exactly who these flawed characters are characters are they're toxic they're they're real people they are i will say they're real taking screenwriting classes you're taught that hey don't make arguments too long because audiences get uncomfortable. And this goes on for almost an hour and 40 minutes. So I can understand why and you're some supposed people, to. Yeah. And, and that's right? the point of this film. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's hard to get it. But I, I feel like the arguments never felt redundant to me because I feel like Marie was always trying to find, find a way to get back to her point and then espouse on another point. You know, like that. So that yeah. I, that's why I felt like 
there was something I felt satisfactory in every way that we were just leveling up and leveling up and leveling up and then finding the bits of humor and civility in between the arguments I thought was pretty, pretty, pretty. I am. Um, it's funny. I, I watched this with my wife and and she hated it. And well, uh, she hates most movies that you watch <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> I mean, but that's it was just a fact. I thought it was funny because because uh, she was just like, you know, she was she was getting mad at Marie because she's just like, just just Quick. like. Just, just make the argument you want to make. Quit dancing around it, you know. And I, and I was like, oh, honey, like this is how, this is how most women fight. Like, I, like, this is, like, like you don't fight like this, which is why we're married. But, but like, because she'll, she's very matter of fact. She's a project manager. She'll sit down. She's, she'll, yeah. pro, she'll project manage the crap out of a relationship, and she'll be like, here's what you did and why I don't like it, and so you need to either address it or not address it, and so we know what we're doing next. Like. And I I like that, you know what I mean. And I was like, but I'm like, but this is not it, in my experience how most of the women I've dated fight. This movie is how most of them fight. And yeah. she spent an hour and a half when she they, she could have jumped straight to why didn't you cast me? You know. Yeah. yeah. And also though, to be fair, this is also how most men fight. Yeah. And yeah. and the thing is that. Uh, you, I love how balanced these characters are and not only are they believable and are these real arguments because I think that anybody who's been in a relationship can can relate to something out of this film as far as these arguments being had and it may not be on this level and it may have never gotten this intense or maybe it has but you can relate to these characters and these arguments they're having you know so they're believable characters but also they're very balanced where like what tom said right at the beginning of this episode is he kind of came to the conclusion that they're both right and they're both wrong Mm -hmm. because there are things that i came out of this movie with uh, where I'm like, yeah, I can see both arguments and I can understand what both of them are saying, but it goes back and forth and back and forth. And the characters here, they, a lot of it is they do listen to what the other one is saying. I mean, eventually after the beginning, once John David Washington's character comes down from, we should say the plot of this film is he is a film director. He's just premiered his film. It's the biggest night of his life. Uh, We don't right away know what the film is or what it's about, but you just know that he, he killed it. He, he comes home he's celebrating he's singing he's excited i mean he's high like he's just like this is amazing best night of his life because uh, like he's done little re- like his career has been rewrites and ghost writing and not getting credit for stuff and this is his movie and so he comes home and he's excited and we see zendaya's character who his girlfriend is just like very quiet you know she comes home he's celebrating and she just goes to the bathroom then she goes to the kitchen she quietly makes mac and cheese without hardly doing anything um but she's making it for him which is you know she's not hungry but she knows he is and so you get these little selfless things and you get the idea that this relationship has been a lot of that of him of her being there for him in this relationship and his career and uh and so she's doing this very quietly and he does that thing that every guy that again in a relationship i should just say anyone in a relationship has had this moment with a partner where you know you're just going about your day you think everything's great and you look at your partner and you're like what's wrong you know something's wrong and then they say nothing no what's wrong <laughs> we'll talk about it later no big deal and you're like why well, can't I, there's how am i going to go about my day now when you just said nothing and i know something's bothering you and you said just go to bed like no no way and they eventually get into it and so that's what this whole movie is about is they both have these things and i definitely would say more so marie but they have these things that are stewing inside of them these issues her complaint and, is very valid both of them yeah, like it absolutely. starts with he didn't thank yeah. her in his speech which was a dick move and then ultimately that he didn't cast her to play this role and and th- those are both legitimate complaints like whether or not she was an actress of enough quality to play this role and based on the film i assume that she is right but yeah. um but even if she weren't it's still a conversation they should have had by now right like it's well it's probably a conversation they've had you know and i think it's a conversation he thinks they've had (laughs) correct yes 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 and and that's the thing like so as a man i had to reflect i know for a fact i've been so stubborn and wanted to win an argument that i'll pacify the argument mid argue like while we're arguing i'm gonna do just enough to make you think that like i'm really understanding but like i just want to do enough to kind of still get my way because that's like how people argue right um it's not healthy arguing 
can be healthy. But for the most part, I know the way that I did it, it wasn't healthy at all. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be a challenge for people to kind of accept the arguments because, like you said, like, yo, just walk away. Well, then there's no movie, right? So, like, you right. have to understand that there has to be drama that's put into this. And then also, like, how this movie was put together, the fact that it was shot during quarantine um, in, you know, two weeks and, you know, it's a very small set. And it was something that Sam Levinson wanted to make as a vehicle for Zendaya, right? Um and so all that going into there and the way how they workshop this, I thought that this is a very natural argument. And it feels like an argument that folks just within our industry have often, especially when you are, you know, you you're you're with someone that's in the industry. Hey, Malcolm is saying, hey, be proud of me, like be my cheerleader right now. Marie's saying, well, yo, I've always been your cheerleader. By the way, you didn't really want to make me a part of this process because you wanted it for yourself. Yeah. And and her other bone of contention is from her point of view, this movie would never have been made without her. She in her mind, she's the inspiration. She is the character. She's the main character. And it's all based on their life. And as they get into it more and more in the arguments. And again, if you haven't seen this film, I think you should watch it because we're going to spoil it. That's what we do. But this is revealed. Like when you first get into the movie, you don't know why they're mad. You don't know. And you don't know what the movie's about. And then once you find out what the movie's about, you find out that Zendaya says, well, this movie's about me. And then the argument goes on and he starts opening up. He's like, you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but if you really want to get into it, no, this movie's not about you. It's, it's an amalgamation. Sure. You're a part of it, but I've had this girlfriend and I've done this. And he says things to get to her. He says things to hurt her and she says things to hurt him. And so it opens up the thing about that part. Part that that I did like is they actually have a version of that conversation twice, right? The first time they have that conversation, he's eating the mac and cheese, and uh, and if if you want to if you want to know like ultimately who's right and who's wrong, I think it all comes down to the mac and cheese, but uh, <laughs> um, because there's one simple line that makes me think like ultimately he's not a good dude, and and it's because she says you went back and got seconds, and he's like, no, I didn't. When we saw him go back and get seconds, and I yeah. was just like, "Oh, that's a dick move!" And like, and how many yeah. other times and in other ways has he done that same thing and denied what she saw happen? And I was yeah. just, so that that made me kind of instantly be like, mm, "He's not a good dude. smart." I like that, yeah. And yeah. that is a character. That's that's. I mean, that's a choice that they made. Yeah. To, that Sam Levinson made to have this character. The conver- but the conversation about um, whether or not the movie is based on her life and when he's eating the mac and cheese which i'm like oh my god chew with your mouth closed it was so irritating you know um, you know so you know the the backstory to that mac and cheese no so he had like he was like sick and tired because they've had to reshoot that scene so many times they threw out like three days of footage in this film and he like he, he aggressively just like i'm over this macaroni and cheese like this shit needs to like stop it which is good <laughs> because i i will say this as a performer john david washington i think he's fine right he never has really blown me away in anything that's happened up until this point um i love what he did intended but i think this film this is the best performance that he's black ever Klansman? given I, there was nothing special that stood out for me for black Klansman. interesting so i thought he was so i, good I get black what you're Klansman. saying like i really liked black Klansman. i thought he was good in it but like his he he didn't necessarily have like this giant meaty role even though he's the star of the movie it's like mm-hmm. it's a lot of the you know the other stuff that's going on around him I was more impressed with Adam Driver was doing in that movie than what he did. Yeah. You know, but this is definitely his best performance. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm real quick with the (laughs) conversation about like the first time when he's eating the mac and cheese, he says he's like he's like stumped and he doesn't know what to say about to prove that it's not based on her. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's funny because in that moment you think, oh, she, she's, you know, she got she's right. Yeah. And then and then later he turns around at, you know, when it comes up again, bathtub scene and he just eviscerates, eviscerates her. her. Yeah. And and I was and it reminded me of like how when I'm in fights, how I am, because it's like I can destroy a person verbally if I want to. Like, it's like I can just eviscerate them. And so, like, there's a lot of times when it's like I'm sitting there, like, almost letting them win the argument because I'm like, well, if I were to win the argument, rope dope. We probably would well, not even rope a dope. It's like we probably won't be together anymore. Like, if I <laughs> say what I want to say, like, it, there's not going to be any coming back from it because it's going to come out so angry and snarky and smart ass and that it's 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 just there's no coming back from it. So I just almost have to sit there 
and just let it happen. So yeah. I, I I found that part interesting because I, I I do think in that moment he knew exactly what to say. Looking back, like he just he just knew that he couldn't, and finally she made him mad enough where he was like, "Okay, you want to hear it? Here yeah, you." Because they, they both don't hold back. They both like. Yeah absolutely dagger each other and yeah. they are vicious to one another and for some people it's it, it's tough to watch that well what what i really what another thing that told that kind of showed me that he wasn't a good dude that again i see both sides of the argument but she's in such a vulnerable state mm-hmm. where he rips into her when she's in a bathtub she can't go anywhere she can't escape that is so tough that he tears he waits until she can't escape to demolish her. And I think that's so horrific that he chose. And I mean, I know that she was kind of backing him into a corner the whole time, but Mm -hmm. still like she was walked away is chilling in the bathtub, trying to kind of decompress, get her thoughts together. And he lays into her right there. And I think, and that's another testament to Zendaya's performance to where she has to sit there and take that harsh, harsh dialogue and reality check where he finally opens up about everything. It was all in her eyes. The way that she was clenching her jaw and like yeah, and her quivering. whether yeah, oh it's quivering or tears or like I mean, you just see it in her eyes how hurt she is, and I think that performance is masterful because again, the actor she can't go anywhere just like the character can't, so she's stuck there and she still conveyed how much hurt she was taking in to where you didn't see uh, just an actor in a movie and you're like yeah, well actor A is saying mean things and of course actor B is upset you're like oh god this is a real person who's having their reality checked and getting you know she's she's being told the truth of these things that her some of her fears some of yeah. her greatest fears are coming true where she's like convinced herself that oh well you know this movie's mean this is my character and our story and we we're supposed to do this together and then he's like yeah i mean i wasn't gonna correct you i wasn't gonna say anything until now but if you really want to get into it and he lays out that all these life experiences that he's had all these women that he's dated before and how they go into this script that she again thought was all her and so i, I think that's such a heartbreaking scene and such an amazing you know performance from zendaya and uh yeah it's it's just but 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 again i was like dude he he had her trapped and yeah. that's not cool to do that she's there, literally so. naked right like <laughs> yeah but that's 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 i think a cowardly move like have that argument where the other person can kind of if they have to get away or move around or whatever but she was like a deer in the headlights you know she hardly moved and said everything she needed to as an actor which was amazing but like that character couldn't go anywhere i i love how it just these moments of heaviness it's it's i think the film feels really balanced to me because it gets high and intense and then, like I said earlier, these moments of civility, and then we got because, like, I think that's where I really saw that range in John David Washington because he goes from being rah, 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 I'm on eleven, I'm, and that's so me. Like, I get super duper hype, and then at the bath TV, he's over her, and he's just like, "Talk, uh, this is what I want you to know," and that it was Kiki, and that it was this inside the heart, the the the, the, the heart spots, hub and everything. Like, and like, I, I I appreciated that of him, and I, I I loved. I've said this several times that like the way that this film was shot sequentially, it allowed for this actor who's definitely more green than Zendaya to organically progress and try to get on her level and find different areas to be able to elevate his performance within the character, uh, within the character, within the dialogue, and then just get to a, like a really comfortable play. This is the most comfortable I've seen John David Washington on film with dialogue because his delivery, to be honest with you, in most of his films always bothers me. Um, but this was like the most like, he found his pocket. This seemed natural to me, and I. What, what bothers you about his delivery? I don't. I don't know. I feel like he sometimes has a tough time trying to find beats, and his interpretation of the text. I feel like he is just line reading sometimes. The thing is, he's fucking charming as hell. And sometimes that really wins me over, right? Like, yeah. like he is so charming as the protagonist intended, even though, like, yeah. some of his line reading, I'm just like, that doesn't feel the most natural, right? Like, yeah, I, He's a as, super charismatic dude. Yeah. As an actor, I would have made a different choice, right? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean that, like, you know, what he's doing is wrong. It just doesn't really vibe with me. This felt the most right, that vibe with me that I've seen from him. Sometimes I wonder if if he struggles with the fact that, uh, with his line readings is that like he sounds so much like his dad. He sounds just like him. And it's, yeah. I, I think he does try to do it. Like, yeah, maybe he's I think maybe he's overthinking. He's in his head. Mm. I don't want to sound like Denzel with everything I say. So I have to say it differently. 
I'm sure he's got a clause in his contract that says, I will never guarantee anything in a film, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Guarantee. Like, he will never say that word. But, um, but like, I, I do wonder if maybe sometimes he's, like, trying to, like, say it in a way that doesn't sound like his father because it's like, like man, I, I know from my own personal experiences and my father isn't a great actor or a sex symbol, um, but... Uh, but like I find myself without even trying something, I'll say something. And I'm like, holy crap! I sound just like my dad. Like, like tonally, not even necessarily what I'm saying, but just the the cadence and mm-hmm. and tenor of it. Like I sound just like my dad. And 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 I'm sure if I was trying to carve out a career as an actor, and my father had been, you know, one of the most successful actors of his generation, I would be a lot more like, oh, I don't want people to think that I'm just yeah. here is like the younger version of him and that's all I've got, you know. Yeah. It's yeah, I agree. And and when and he does, there are times I mean we've talked about it on the cast before, like especially with Tenet where he sounds just like him. And so yeah. I think that plays a part into it and makes it more difficult for sure. But uh g- going back to the dialogue in this film. So a lot of people a lot of the complaints I'm seeing online are that they think the dialogue is bad, that it's a really really bad script. And I was so interested such a lazy criticism my goodness gracious i to me again these arguments felt very real because i think that we've had arguments like this and it doesn't matter if the context is the same but we've had arguments where these felt organic and i think the dialogue was written in a very interesting way to where i'm like okay you like kevin smith you like quentin tarantino real people don't always talk and say words like this but like the rhythm and the the Mm -hmm. topics and stuff like you're so into it but they so what just real quick what is their complaint other than it's bad do they oh that's it's they say it doesn't sound natural they say that it's like overwritten and Mm, i see so a screenwriter might talk like a screenplay is this and see that's the thing that yeah, like, he's like, a film director and writer yeah, right? we're forgetting that these people live in hollywood like yeah. I, i've lived everywhere right I, i've lived mm-hmm. born in miami raised in new york moved out to la right when i graduated high school mm-hmm. people talk differently and as a black as a black man right the criticism that i hear in addition to that kevin is that mm-hmm. these don't feel like two black people well blackness to you is going to be very relative yeah. to your own black experience and that can be culturally regionally um wh- where you are in regards to, like wealth and class like that changes like yes black folk are very different down in south miami than they are you know in the city in, in city in new york and then living out where i was in you know in in, in north hollywood right like they're very different you know so yeah. yes this malcolm may not look like the malcolm that you knew from the hood and then what is black like? And that's that's, what, that's a that seems like such yes. a uh, that is so insulting. It is. It's very derivative. Like we are not a monolith. Yes. Yeah, that doesn't. <laughs> and they even say that Malcolm, like he's he's black, but he's he's come three challenges on on that in regards to how authentic are you? You know, because you came up from two yeah privilege with two parents that you went to college and, and this and this and that. But You're, it doesn't what, mean one that, of your parents was a professor, yes. and I forget which one, but the other one had another like very you know mm-hmm. like like next level education kind of a job and like so it's like so his his quote-unquote black experience wouldn't be what a lot of people think of uh, you know sometimes wrongly as 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 the real black experience i'm putting air quotes around that for the people listening (laughs) and when it it comes to the script and people say oh you know then again they come in with that preconceived notion and oh a white person wrote this script and it's like you know john david washington and zendaya are producers on this movie yes and they also acted in this movie if you think that they were offended duped and somehow they didn't have to this (laughs) they didn't have to do this project they chose to and zendaya is the star of this guy's tv show they clearly have a good relationship and she wanted to do this project so like she had a heavy hand in contributing to the screen now i I will say in regards to credit i don't know what the wga rules are i was talking about this Mm. you know with matt negley of next best picture so this was there was like a an outline of a story from sam that he took to zendaya they workshopped it um they kind of came up with a script sent it to john david washington he's all in he's doing like the you know lines over the phone and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but like you're talking about a set that has just two people on it i mean you're talking about less than 25 people in total that were involved with this production of the film especially even on set you know they, they were workshopping this the only part as i'm watching the movie right and i'm putting everything aside where i felt like a little like "Mm, this don't feel right is the fact that you have malcolm Malcolm's character saying the N-word and that I know in the back of my mind this and I did not know all right is this something that was you know improv this is something that he embellished and kind of took on because like yeah that like 
as a black man, yeah, I, I felt it instantly. That was the only time that I was ever taken out of the film, but I never discredit that of the film at all. And That's Levinson something. didn't write that. Exactly. And I'm glad I'm glad that, that I found that out, that he did not write John that. John David Washington did that to, because of you know the place yeah. where he was with the character. He's and making wanted the to... character his. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying, so, I read an interview with Sam Levinson about, like, last night, and and he said that, like, so much of the dialogue, like, they, like, they kind of had an agreement between him and, and and the two actors of like if there's something you don't want to say or if there's something you want to say that you think needs to be said like he's like it's a it was a very collaborative process and he's and that's kind of the point he's making with with the film about like you know this guy wants to make a movie about an addict not a political movie about an addict right in that and mm-hmm. that you know he's like there's so many people involved in this in this process that he's like it 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 really does start to get difficult to determine what's black what's white you, you know what's male what's female like there's a lot of there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen but but i love is this is at the end of the day this is the story about a filmmaker and his girlfriend this is not a yes. story about a black filmmaker this is not a story about a black couple this is a story about a filmmaker and his girlfriend and, and they, they just so happen great, to be black they're two great actors that are black and so this is not a black story and so when people say oh this isn't authentic or you this is now invalidated because a white guy wrote it it's like this guy wrote a story for two great actors and now you're discounting it, which I think is more offensive. Mm-hmm. And he did not trick them or trap them into doing this movie again. So it's like if these two very capable and excellent actors did this movie and worked with him. So I just think that those complaints are invalid because they've been already debunked by the creatives and the people yes. that are involved with it. And again, it's like there's only that 10, 15% of the movie where he talks about, Oh, this is my experience from a black director you know a black standpoint and all that but other than that the movie's about two people in a relationship yeah, we'll say you know because I, I i piece this out you know uh, there was a critic that said why is sam levinson writing from the perspective of a black filmmaker the way levinson addresses white critics reviewing a black filmmaker's work just doesn't feel authentic keep in mind this is not a black critic mm. what's authentic to you can be completely different to someone else that's the subjective element to like appreciating art right one i don't think that sam needs like it it can either have or not have permission in regards to telling a story who do we know that sam living in hollywood with a diverse group of people as we know that he has in his you know in his circle is not hearing the gripes that black storytellers and black you know performers and black filmmakers say about like the, the way that white journalists critique their work his dad's a filmmaker yes that's what i'm saying like like he knows this. Barry Levinson. That's authentic. Like, he knows the industry, regardless yeah. of his race and how he identifies. Hey, yo, you know what? If I've been sitting and hearing your conversation for six hours, I'm a screenwriter. I'm going to go write that, right? Like, yeah. I don't have to be black in order to write it. And I've had some critics say, well, this should have been an opportunity for him to be able to say, you know what? Instead of me directing and writing this film, let me give it to like a black, you know, uh, uh, a d- director and be, give them the opportunity. I do believe that there has been systemic oppression inside Hollywood and a lot of other institutions in America in which the people who have power should be able to give up, you know, that power to make equity, right? It doesn't have to be on every project because like it's so I don't see like there's no director that says that this movie, this is not a message movie. And like it clearly says inside the dialogue. I love this because I wrote it down. Mm -hmm. Malcolm in the film says cinema doesn't need to have a message. It needs to have a heart and electricity. I love it. I love it. That is one of the lines that I was going to bring that up too. I'm so glad I had this conversation on the podcast last week. When I watched this movie after talking last week on the podcast, we were talking about detective movies and how there are so many of these movies like these Ashley Judd thriller movies with Morgan Freeman that are just like down and dirty Great little episode, airport novels. <laughs> Thank you. But there there are so many of these films that you watch and you're like, we're the cops. We want to catch the bad guy. At the end of the movie, we catch the bad guy. You cheer. You go home happy, right? Not every movie has to be this artistic movie where in the end it subverts expectations and oh you think the good guy's gonna win so at the end of this movie the good guy dies and the bad guy gets away because oh what is it really saying we're so so different yeah yeah so so my point is i love that in this movie a week later after we're saying the little things you know not to get too much on a different movie but it thinks it's so smart and it tries to do things so different but it's not as good as it thinks and it fails where these other little down and dirty thrillers succeed is because it's doing the thing that it didn't need to do like sometimes you just want a 
good, like an interesting movie where the good guys win and they catch the bad guy. And he says the same thing. He's like, my movie isn't political. He's, and he goes on that rant and I can't even do it justice. But I think the writing is so good because it hammers that point home that sometimes movies are just, why do they have to be political? Yeah. Why can't Malcolm they says, just be? I'm choosing to make a film that's fundamentally political, but not every movie I make is political because I'm black. Yes, that doesn't define him, right? Like, because, and that is why I think these characters, it's such a meta discussion because yes. this movie, just because he's black and Zendaya is black, that doesn't mean this is a black movie. Everyone just automatically is like, oh, why is a white filmmaker making a black movie? This isn't a black movie. And we talked about this in Tenet. John David Washington is the lead character and he's black. Mm-hmm. When do they once address or mention that he's black? No, never. It's not a black movie. And it's not, and the character isn't But there like, are critics of that film because they feel like, why would you have a black person? And then like, essentially, he's not black. No way. Yeah, oh, my. See, yeah. and this is the problem. How are we ever going to get over? You say cast more. <laughs> my question there would be like, what would make him black? Quote unquote. If, sitting at a, like, if at that restaurant, you order chicken. Yeah, right, like anything you do, to, <laughs> anything you do to try to black it up, like is then is going to be a, and now it's offensive. Yes. Like that's, what, yeah, bro? Th- this this so we're in a weird point, place, man. <laughs> that's my point, though, is that like you say, cast more minorities. You say, cast different races. Yeah. Okay, they're doing that, and then you complain because of these critiques How of their, it, and they're not doing it exactly, exactly. satisfaction. But it's like okay, so Sam Levinson's white, and he wrote this story that again from our, all our perspectives, is not a black story. It just happens to have a black actor in it. And, and you know, they touch upon things, but the story overall is not black. So guess what? He could have cast Zendaya, and then he could have cast a white actor. Would that have made you feel better? Oh, so now... No, because we're to avoid... at the Jordan Peele argument. I've seen that movie before. I don't want to see that again. Right? But I, so that's what I'm saying. And, like, and, so and I believe that that's valid. <laughs> I asked a person who had that gripe about, like, you know, oh, because Sam Levinson wrote this. I said, well, real quick, if what, he, what, what Malcolm was saying in the film, was it wrong? No, but Sam shouldn't didn't have the right to say it. Where there now the criticism is that Sam is using Malcolm as a shield in order to say things that he's always wanted to say because people will not combat it because it's coming from a black character. Bro, I'm telling you, there's some deep level going on with, and, <laughs> with this film. It, it is wild. I yeah, and so I think I think it's being way overanalyzed from that perspective. And that's the entire point that that Sam in, the, in is writing is that how we project so much onto these yeah. films that have nothing right. to do with what the storyteller is really trying to say. Like he's that's like what, like blocking whatever. There's no rhyme or reason to it. We just do it. <laughs> that's why this movie's so brilliant because yes. these people getting frustrated by the dialogue are exactly the people that he's critiquing when he's writing this dialogue. You're these people that are the people that are so offended by it are playing right into his hands yeah. with the dialogue that he's written and proving him to be right. It's like, I don't know it to me. I think it's a really interesting film and it's a really interesting character story. And I loved the dialogue, like from the moment from the beginning of the film and they're having their first argument. I mean, before they get into the argument and she's making Mac and cheese for him and she says, just go to bed. We'll talk about it tomorrow. We're not going to get anything productive done. Like again, the dialogue felt very real because I've had that argument where I want to get into it. And my partner, you know, is like, we're not going to get anything. It's just going to get worse. You don't want to do this right now. Let's all calm down, whatever. Um, But then when he starts yelling at her, she's like, are you really, are you really yelling at me? Like from the other room while you're eating Mac and cheese, you can't put down the macaroni and cheese and come talk to me. Like that whole dialogue I thought was fantastic. And it had me like that roped me in. As soon as she wrote that very realistic dialogue of like, yeah, what are you doing? Like, why? Like, you put down the food. You can put down your food and stop stuffing your face and come talk to me. Is the relationship not as important as your macaroni and cheese? And so from that moment and the, his style and, and the dialogue of these characters, I was hooked. And I think the way he wrote it, again, felt very believable. And it was interesting in the way that Tarantino and Kevin Smith and, and these people that are such great dialogue writers where, you know, you can just have characters in a room talking talking and it doesn't matter what's going on around them you're invested in the characters and and i felt like that throughout the entire thing i back to i think i think part of the reason people are reacting negatively from a critical like the critics specifically is that it does feel like the movie's playing a game in a certain way in terms of like you know a white guy is 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 writing black characters and then having the black guy preemptively argue that that's okay and it's like it's this really weird kind of meta preemptive argument of almost like saying well now that i've said that you don't get to have an opinion on it and like and and that feels really kind of 
petulant on some level. E- even though yeah. I kind of agree with what he's saying, it also kind of makes me want to punch him in the dick. If somebody made the correlation to Tenet where where the protagonist kind of says just go like kind of like just go with it like within the film just say yes this is gonna be really hard just go with it and yeah. malcolm does kind of like the same thing and maybe that's smart i think that i think that storytellers are getting really hit to saying i need to find a way within the text to kind of like like set the stage right right and i, I i'm actually as a screenwriter i kind of i want that more am, am i wrong in that I mean, I get what you're saying, but the problem is that, like, you can only do that so many times before it just becomes a lazy trope. And, like, so it worked for me in Tenet. It actually freed me up to like the movie in a way that I don't think I would have liked it otherwise. It didn't work for me so much here. Oddly enough, even though I ultimately kind of agree with what he's saying, but it's all, like... I agree, but it's also something that we need to be very cautious of because it it will also making that argument also makes it very easy to slip back into this motif of like we only see white movies. You know yeah. what I mean? And 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 so like that's that's not that that's not what you want the end result to be. But you also don't want to completely hamstring people or or make every movie be some paint by numbers thing to where. You know, okay, we have, you know, for every three white people, we get two black people and one Asian person. And you know what I mean? Like, it's like you, you don't want it to just become a mathematical equation either. And so, like, and and that's where it becomes difficult to figure out what does and doesn't make sense. And ultimately, what will or won't make sense, it's a pass-fail, right? Like, either the movie worked or it didn't. And if the movie works, no one's going to ask those questions. And if the movie doesn't work, then people start to look around and go, well, what about this? And what about that? And and that's why when when Malcolm says and he uses like the examples like with um, Barry Jenkins, right? In your past fail, you know, uh, example, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Moonlight was a pass, even though he doesn't identify as a gay man. Why did he feel like he has the audacity to be able to tell that story? Now, granted, there's a text that he's using. Like, it's not like this just came from, you know, from him. And I think that's somebody was like also making that like, oh, if it came from a text, then it's OK. Right. Because Steven Spielberg did one of the greatest black films of all time right. in The Color Purple. But well, it came from this text, though. So like it, and because this film, which. I, we would all agree this is not a black film. Well, this is coming from Sam, so it's different. But yeah, but this is also like a a, a, a child that was kind of birthed and collaborated, you know, between Zendaya, between John. So we're just in a funny space where I think, you know, what I I, I hate saying it, but maybe we're too woke, right? Um, like, we well, it definitely the scale has tipped in the other direction yes. a million percent. Like, okay. and and we're all, I mean, we're all on the side of like. I I mean, I think we're pretty sensible when it comes to political correctness and stuff, right? So it's not like we're not for that, but you can see things shifting in the way to, I mean, that's how a scale works, right? They go one direction and Hollywood and just society in general has been tipped in the wrong direction for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. So we're starting to correct it, but as people overcorrect and overcorrect, the skill goes way back down on the other side. And then we start being like, well, how can we make art if everything is under a microscope and being so you know scrupulous and well we can do this but we can't do this because it will offend and we can't do this because it's not these numbers and let's keep the same the same scale (laughs) in this movie the 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 commentary on hollywood is a smaller portion than the love story that's at play Mm -hmm. i am much more interested in the love story this is just the bonus the commentary on hollywood because we work in it right like the love story at work i'm under like even though we're, this is the only night we get with these characters throughout the film, I feel like I've seen the scope of their relationship. Right. They in, in this under two hours, I've gone from the beginning to this point in the relationship, and I've been with them through all this. And so let's go a little bit through the argument before we wrap up here. I mean, as things progress and they go back and forth, so he rails on her in the bathtub about, oh, this isn't really the way it is. And meanwhile, they're like, they're fighting and they're kind of making up. But then they are never, like, the problem isn't solved. Yeah. So in the middle of them, you know, about to get it on, then Zendaya says something like, but actually, you know, and then he's like irritated, like, oh, I thought we were, he just wants to be done with the argument, but she still hasn't said what she wants to say. And so the root of all this and where John David Washington, his character is like, oh, there it is. The whole, you know, this mm-hmm. is what you've been trying to say is she, her her bone of contention is not just to thank you for being my girlfriend, but she goes into all the reasons and that it's like, 
would you have been able to write this movie without me and all the things that we've been through? And, and she gets into the real root of the issue is like how he is in their relationship and how he doesn't get jealous. And is it just because he's not jealous or he doesn't care, you know, and she, and her final monologue is incredible. She eviscerates him and you see him, you see John David Washington, the strong yes. masculine man. He's inside of his wife beater, all like Aldous yeah. Hodge and stuff like that. And he just, I think that that's where he becomes super vulnerable as a character. And he says nothing. She is reading him and saying this. And he, she says, you will never get better than what you are now. You are done. You know, like you, you have a type, you're this, you could have done this and this and this and this, you stole something from me. And essentially he kind of robbed her of being like a being able to share in the success that he's experiencing and he was too you know in his own mind like the fact that she said you believe that you are the best you know and and like and and, oh my god it was well i love it because what she she ends up saying too is she's like you didn't thank me because if you thanked me people would start asking questions like well is it really him that's the genius or is it her is it is it all because of her and he's just taking the credit for it and if i got a co-writing if i got a credit you know would then people really start to question hmm i wonder who really is the one telling this story and so she ends up saying like you're really like it's not just a thank you you know like that's what happened he didn't thank her but but she is all this is festering in her mind of why he didn't thank her. And the reality is, I think she's speaking the truth to a lot of it because he does feel inadequate and he doesn't want anyone else to take the credit. And I love that in that amazing monologue at the end, like 10, 15 minutes, she's just like, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you. You know, she goes through all the reasons why it's not just thank you for being my girlfriend and thank you for being an inspiration for the story, but she just like lists this thing and it is incredible to watch. Like we can't do it justice but Zendaya's performance like that final moment I was floored like I enjoyed the movie and I thought they were great and then I saw that scene and I'm just like holy crap and that's why like after watching the movie I tweeted I'm like John David Washington was great and the dialogue was interesting and all that but Zendaya this is her movie like she it was phenomenal and that scene I thought was really shows the talent of that actor and that scene so her in the bathtub her at the end of the movie where really it sold me and really where the movie jumped from being really, really good to what I call perfect mm. was the butcher knife scene. Oh my God. No. And that's all part of it. Right. Because yeah, the thing I'm it, talking it, about comes after that. And, yeah, it, and it, so, and honestly, at that point I was very scared because we have yeah. seen Malcolm completely not, I'm not saying dominated, but the, 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 the aggressor, right. Of the night and understanding that she is a fragile woman who has a very, you know, um, what's the word I want to try to, I'm trying to be- well, so, so she's an addict. She's an addict who has tried to kill herself. And then Malcolm is being extremely harsh and belittling her and demeaning her. And you her think pathetic and like, and, and, and so knowing that she has these issues and she's looking in the medicine cabinet for pills, you think she's going to kill herself. And then she comes back in with a knife and she does. And again, that's why you shouldn't listen to this before watching it because you oh, have to yeah. experience it without knowing it. But again, since we're spoiling it, uh, she comes in and does this thing with a knife where she's picking it up and she puts it down and all this and she genuinely scares Malcolm and then she's like and that is why you should have cast me and that she and that is authentic yeah so so she's so she's and then that great line again that's hilarious the writing is so good why didn't you do that in the audition like yeah, that's a yes. funny the, the comedy in this that, movie yes. surprised me so much that is a funny line her whole in her Lego speech was great yes yeah oh my god in the Lego movie and then they're gonna yeah 40 then, Legos and a mule yeah yeah <laughs> It is. Can so you make good, an Angela but, Davis biopic, but with Legos? With like Lego, it yeah. was like the whole, <laughs> the whole Lego rabbit hole was great. And you know the thing I liked about the the butcher knife scene is that I spent the bulk of that scene being like, "F this movie," because yes, I was I was, just like, I was the same oh, way, no. bro. I, no, no, I, no, Kevin. Yeah. I felt no, exactly because the same I thought cause... this is where they were going. I'm like, yes. are we just gonna do the thing where she ODs at the end, or she has some violent episode at the end? And I was just like, I'm just like. Pfft. Like that's lame, and so and then that happens, it. and no one saw it coming. No, when they do I, that, that's why then, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, when they pull yeah. the rug out from under you of she's messing with him, yeah. and it like it proved the point. It kind of proved a point on two levels, and I I, I did like. There were things in this movie I liked, but ultimately, I, I think just, you like, I, like this said, movie. I, I just felt like it didn't go anywhere. It does go somewhere, though. It, the, the whole movie was this journey, the, I, the relationship. They started off with not talking and having all this stuff festering up, and they got to a place where they got all this out, and like he realized how crappy he is did, and how scared he? he is. 
I, I, I think so in the end because he, he thought he lost her in the end. Yeah. He woke up and thought she had killed herself or left him, and she's still there because she said what she wanted to say and made him realize. Like I think he came. But to we that we we saw moments like that in the movie like three other times. It's like it just. It just felt like yet another so pause did you in the buy, same argument. Did you buy his, I'm sorry, because after her evisceration monologue in the bed, and he's just up next against the bathroom wall, and I will say, there's points in this film where I thought it like ended maybe twice. Mm-hmm. Um, he says in the last line, I love you, Marie. I'm sorry. Thank you. Those are his last three lines before they go to bed. And then there's like that, this kind of like, it, it, it wipes white. And then there's like this epilogue and really yeah. great jazz music, right? Um, and, and, and then we get to the, you know, we get to the morning. Um, yeah. And then the, 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 the soundtrack choices in this film is so like, on, it is so on point because it's driving parts of the argument, right? Um, and like, just if anybody, look, go on Spotify, listen to the soundtrack. It is really, really good. I, uh, I believe these characters the entire movie, like the way that they're supposed to be believed. I believe. I believed Malcolm when he was saying what she wanted to hear and I believed Malcolm when he was really upset and really was sorry like I everything that I think they were presenting to me I believe these were two characters that were truthful to me I didn't see the actors even though I know both these actors I mean Mm -hmm. Zendaya is MJ in the Spider-Man movies right and I I watch Euphoria like I saw Marie. She was so appreciative of this character. She was in a clubhouse room with Sam and herself, and she talked about how she really adored taking this next step in her career to be able to have a much more mature character to play. Because we yeah. know in Hollywood, she could get pigeonholed to be able to play the 17-year-old high for the next kid. 10 years. I know. Well, Euphoria and Spider-Man. Like, she's yeah. a high school kid, and she's growing – she's aging out of that and yet she's still stuck doing that. And so I agree. This was a stepping stone. This was her like Robert Pattinson proving he could do more than twilight, you know, Daniel Radcliffe doing all his interesting choices and not just Harry Potter. This is her showing like, yeah, I can not just play a high school kid. Like I can play this complex, interesting woman who has been through some stuff. And I think she did great. I mean, this is her movie and yeah, I, I loved it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah. I just I I wish there had been some sort of I don't know I just I felt like when this movie stopped it was just another pause in the same argument they're never going that's to true. stop having this argument yeah. and 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 that to me that's how it felt and it just kind of felt like why did I just spend two hours with these people that's interesting like that's the art I mean t- like we interpreted it differently like I feel like they did grow and something did come out of this productive as argument and they won't necessarily have the same argument but that's the thing like we watched the same thing and you can interpret it differently and that's, I do want a sequel great. though like yeah. I feel like that there's like I, I would almost like a Malcolm Marie series right oh <laughs> like a Dharma and Greg or something I don't know no, <laughs> stop that no stop. <laughs> something in ampersand something I, I have no idea but look, can we appreciate Malcolm like, and Marie, and they get a dog. <laughs> they get a dog. <laughs> Malcolm or Marley and me, or yeah, Mar- yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm and, and Marie and Marley. Malcolm and Marley and Marie. Yeah. <laughs> Malcolm and Marley. I would, yo, I would love to see that. Let the dog talk too. And it's oh a my sitcom. god! And it's a sitcom like Wandavision style, like but like kooky sitcom. Oh man, but, I yo, would not subject like, a dog to these two. If we can, you know, the cinematography just really impressed. Beautiful, me the shot, sh- yeah, but shot on thirty-five millimeter black and white film uh, because Sam Levinson wanted he wanted to get a like he wanted to feel this and feel these characters and feel that it was real in the setting and everything. Um, and yeah, it was beautifully shot. Yeah, I didn't really care for the look of the movie. I'm not gonna lie, it, <laughs> really? to me, it looked it okay. looked like a '90s era Calvin Klein commercial. Like hmm. it just it, it, it interesting. Just, yeah, like I, now that you say it, I can't. Impressed. Like I'm looking at. <laughs> but uh, again, Damn like, but the, but it's even shot in the same house, right? Like, remember that one where the ladies diving into the pool? Like, it's like it looks like the same. I know it's not but, the same house. But now I'm also thinking of up. all the Dior commercials. <laughs> yeah, well. but you yeah, know, it's, it's this is a chamber piece, though. This is a stage play. This takes place basically in one room. You could have a mm-hmm. black box theater with no set, and these two people going at it for two hours, and yeah. that's what this it doesn't matter what i mean i thought it looked beautiful but again like you're there for the the dialogue that's what this movie is 95 percent is dialogue oh and, yeah and uh and and you know the house like th- they were under the constraints of uh the pandemic and quarantine and so like the house isn't theirs and i think the clever way that they got around that was they're like hey this is the house the producers put us in for the premiere so they didn't have to have malcolm's you know 
art and records and you know what I mean and clothes and like the, it's like the 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 set that they're fighting on isn't supposed to be representative of of their personality or their tastes exactly yeah. so I thought that was a yeah. clever way to work around their concerns. although I was like this sounds like a micro budget art house movie I don't think they're putting them up in a place like that. <laughs> that, no, yeah, you typically like you'll get a place like that if you like shot like a depends who bought budget. Depends right like, who bought the film. I if mean, you're shooting yeah, Iron Man Seven, then you're in a house <laughs> like that. Yeah, but but uh, but anyway, well, I guess uh, that's it for this one. Let's go around the table and everyone can say where to find them. Uh, this is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R Bracket and Colby. Where can they find you? Yeah, uh, you can find me. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Colby Told Me. When I'm in the mood to write, you can check out my website at ColbyToldMe.com. So when they ask you where you heard it from, you can tell them Colby Told Me. And thank you very much for joining us. It was fun. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Find the show online, Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group, and of course, check out our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. So that's it for this one. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, juror number three won't change his vote. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it twice because we already Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.